0: and the Genie, Bernard Bottle, played by Alan Cumming, is hitting rock bottom. He's been fired from his job thanks to a greedy boss, and his fiancée moves out to live with Bernard's best friend. Virtually the only thing left in the house is a dirty lamp he found. After giving it a rub, out comes Josephus the Genie, played by Lenny Henry, who has been trapped for 2,000 years and grants unlimited wishes. Screenplay by Richard Curtis, directed by Paul Weiland, and premiered on the BBC, on December 23rd, 1991. I know you haven't seen this movie before, but have you heard of this movie before?
1: No, I have not. <laughs> I, I,
0: I learned of it when I was, uh, when I bought the VHS from a thrift store, I think in San Francisco one of the times I was visiting you at one of the okay. video stores we visited there. It was just an interesting thing. I saw Rowan Atkinson on the cover. I saw Alan Cumming on the cover. I knew of Lenny Henry. I didn't recognize him on the cover because of his outfit. Um, and I was like, what the hell is this? And uh, bought it and never watched it. So, yeah, now now here we are. Um, the VHS has no previews, unfortunately. So we just watched it on streaming so we could have the subtitles. but And better video quality. Uh, but that's, that's my only exposure to it. I don't know how well loved it is in the UK.
1: I don't know because it seems like when I was reading up about this, it was only shown this one time.
0: It didn't become like a yearly staple or anything, huh? No,
1: it came back like a few years later and then that was it. And then it was released on VHS in America in 1992
0: yeah it was released here in 1992 it definitely had other home video releases so it's you know it has vhs it has dvd i think it even has a blu-ray release now as well so like it's making the rounds enough maybe because of the star power behind it there's enough curiosity um so yeah i don't know it's and it's i don't know it got a remake Recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't I mean, know. yeah.
1: Looking this up, I noticed that there was a remake, and it was released basically uh, three days before we're podcasting. So we're like, let's just watch it. Yeah,
0: like, it was a complete coincidence. This was on our schedule for a while anyway, and then yeah. we happened to notice that here's this remake with uh, called just called genie called um, with Melissa McCarthy as the genie this time on Peacock, uh, and, yeah.
1: (laughs) And Alan Cumming is the only one that comes back, and he plays He's now the asshole boss.
0: Yeah, he's now the asshole. He's the
1: Rowan Atkinson
0: in Genie. Different character, so it's not Bernard has taken a turn for the worse, it's just that Alan Cumming is now the person playing the asshole. Yeah. So, um... Otherwise, I mean, the remake, we'll probably get into some of those differences as we go along here, possibly. Maybe.
1: I mean, it's by the same writer. Same writer,
0: Richard Curtis. And um, a lot of the same jokes. A lot of the same jokes in the remake. So, like, you kind of don't need to see both. Unless you're <laughs> I like
1: a Melissa McCarthy fan or yeah,
0: something. Yeah, but this isn't like a better. This isn't a great showcase of her abilities, to no, me. No, it's not. Because honestly, a lot of the stuff that she's doing was originally like Lenny Henry jokes. Not necessarily written by him, but I think some of them were probably improv or made up on the scene by him. And now it's just ported over to this newer, sanitized version that doesn't mm-hmm. have as much emotion weirdly even though there's a family involved this time and there wasn't before i like the original better
1: me too (laughs) when i was
0: watching it i was like
1: i'd rather watch the first of the the original
0: there's a really interesting charm that i was not expecting in this 1991 movie I, i think we both were kind of expecting just garbage yeah i was we were bracing ourselves. Yeah, for the I worst.
1: was uh, expecting I I was yeah, I was going in with low expectations. And it, But I do I mean, with Rowan Atkinson and Alan Cumming in it it makes it good. Well and then, you know, Lenny Henry Lenny Henry, like yeah, who cool, I don't even know who he is until this movie Yeah was he, like he the has, best part. He has the <laughs>
0: least um American crossover. Um but he is a big british comedian he had been on the scene since like the late 70s on tv and doing various different things he has massively popular stand-up specials that he does every once in a while as well so he's well established overseas not so much crossover in the americas where we have alan cumming doing a lot of projects now here and rowan atkinson as well where some of his stuff Makes the jump because you know, like Mr. Bean, there's no talking, so it can be global. And Blackadder has its appeal, um, you know, more niche. So, yeah, it, it's the opening scene of this movie also kind of uh, made us worry because you see, I, I forget if it's Josephus or Josephus. Josephus. Well, he says they say his. said the name like once. Yeah,
1: he said his name once, but in the credits. He's credited as just Genie, like it doesn't even put Lenny Henry Josephus, as Josephus. But um, anyways, his yeah, anyway, name is Josephus.
0: He's he's being chased by a man with a torch. It's two thousand years ago, and um, it's all subtitled. They're supposedly speaking Hebrew, and you know it, he's getting daggers thrown at him, and basically, evidently, like well, what happened is. Um, Lenny Henry's character threw daggers as sort of like a circus act type of a thing and it landed in the guy with the torch's throat. Like the, the daughter's throat, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like basically kills his his daughter. Um and so this guy with the torch curses him and like zaps him into becoming a genie.
1: Yeah. And traps him in this lamp as punishment.
0: But yeah, so like that, that scene is, is weird. Um, and it, yeah, it, it, I was. we worried about potential <laughs> yeah, <laughs> racial we, implications. Yeah, of we're things. like,
1: I was like, I don't know where this is going, and I'm scared.
0: But it's just kind but, of a way to yeah. establish the humor a little bit. It's like I don't know, because like Lenny Henry says something like "Ain't this a bitch" or something like that, and the guy who's punishing him is like, "You said it, baby," and like, like clearly that's not like not two thousand year ago yeah, language. Yeah, they don't, So like, they kind of establish not the vibe. The, yeah.
1: They're not saying "ain't that a bitch"
0: in right.
1: BC era. Yeah, exactly. In year
0: zero. <laughs> so, um, and now it immediately jumps two thousand years later, and you see Bernard who is flying high, going into the office. And this is the thing that like kind of threw me as well, but also lends credence to the vibe. Is like there is a, a brand new original song that's being played, like talking about how he's Mister Success, higher than high. As he's going through this office to his boss, and it's like this really catchy Motowny type of a tune, um, that at first I didn't think was you know unique to the movie, but it is, and it's not credited exactly in in the credits. So
1: it's kind of like. Well, and then afterwards, after he gets fired, it's like Mr. Depressed. Yeah, like they it, do the opposite yeah, song. Yeah, they do the,
0: op- <laughs> which was funny. Because he has all this stuff given being given to him on the way to the office to, because he made this big deal of fifty million pounds, um, yeah. and, and so you know everyone's giving him presents and, and accolades and flowers and stuff, and then he gets fired, and you see him walking down the same hallway, and people are taking away the presents and the flowers and his tie and everything, while the opposite song of like you know he's Mr. Depressed is playing, and it's like a um yeah Mr. Bad luck and all this stuff it was I don't know it was it was cute it was charming mm-hmm. I enjoyed it and I think that helped really set the tone and that is missing from the first the remake
1: well, the remake yeah.
0: it is that type of um thing uh Rowan Atkinson's character is is very um uh, minimally involved in this he basically, He's basically saying, you know, you made this deal for 50 million pounds. Bernard had the idea to give 25 million of that back to the old ladies who helped them find this painting. It's like an auction house or something. I don't know exactly what the place is. Um, But he wanted to give half of the money back to the people who, you know, is like a finder's fee. And Rowan Atkinson's character, Charles Pinkworth, says, Oh, well, that's that's a terrible idea. You're fired, basically. Yeah. In so many words, and he does. He has this stupid little quirk, character quirk of like you know saying ye, after like everything is like oh it's you know take ye a seat, take take ye take ye or boast ye. You know, like it, I got sick of it immediately. Oh, I
1: don't. It was whatever. <laughs>
0: I don't know. It bothered me really badly. <laughs> I don't know. But his character is very much. um
1: Meant to be that way.
0: Yeah, he's meant to be, like, a, a a super snob. And so, you know, he's using the old English to present himself as higher than than the rest. And you get the sense that he's all about the money. Um, anyway. And then you get back to the apartment. We're just kind of going through the plot until we reach the, the, the genie here. And you meet Keppel, the doorman, for the very first time. And Bernard's saying about how he just got fired and all this kind of stuff. And Keppel's trying to cheer him up by telling him the story of, like, something bad that happened to him. (laughs) And Bernard's like, is that really true, Crap He's like, no, sir, I just made that all Mm -hmm. up. I thought it might make you feel better. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, there's, like, a little glitch in the elevator where, you know, when it stops, he has to, like, bang on it, and everyone who's in the elevator has to do, like, this little hop to pretend like they're moving or stopping and everything. Just these little tiny quirks that add the charm to the movie you know you have this little side character who's he's doing this compulsive lying <laughs> and you know for the what he thinks is the greater good and like all these little things that kind of add up he gets home tries to call his girlfriend judy to tell her that she's been fired her fiance can't find her calls his friend kevin to let him know that he's been fired and ask katie hey, you know where judy is and that's when he finds out that they've been
1: yeah and then the way that this is, like, the type of humor, I like British humor, I guess, where the friend is like, oh, yeah, she's right here. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, actually, I do know where Judy is. She's, she's right, right here. here. And then Ellen Cumming's like, oh, okay, great. But then, then he's like, wait a second, why is she there? And then the girlfriend is, or the fiancé, is just like, yeah, we're in love and... I'm going to move out, like, basically today, and we might as well just tell you now, so
0: that's what's happening. Yeah, just incredibly blunt about it. Yeah, just like, we're not going to
1: beat around the bush, and, like, I'm not going to lie, just be like, hey, yeah, we love each other, and I'm sleeping over his house right now, and I'm going to come get my stuff.
0: And you always ask, you know, why does Kevin get so many girlfriends? Well, it's because he's better in bed than you are, and And, yeah, all these little things. And that you know there's a lot of humor in here that makes me wonder like is this purely a kids movie and well, th- kind of not?
1: Don't think it was meant to be. I don't know be. if it was meant to
0: be either, but like it's I don't know. It has it has the facade of a kids movie.
1: Yeah, but the humor is But the not humor really. is much
0: more adult than I expected. Yeah. At times. So yeah, that <laughs> that's over and then like in the next scene you you basically see the apartment completely cleaned out indicating that uh, Bernard had like nothing to his own name other than signs, his, like, this his lamp that he gave as, yeah, his or art collectibles. His, his art collectibles. So, like, he has this antique lamp that he had given to Judy as a gift in a montage that we had seen before and it's still there. He notices it's dirty and he wipes it down and it explodes. And so, like, you know, like he's rushed away to the hospital and keppel's again like you know trying to make him feel better by lying to him about like stuff that happened to him in the navy or whatever and he was never even in the navy Mm -hmm. um but eventually bernard returns back from the hospital and there's someone in his house there's an intruder and it's the genie who's speaking hebrew and is attacking him at every single chance he can get and he's you know trying his best to defend himself and the apartment's getting wrecked and everything and he's like oh i wish i you know like i wish i could understand you i wish you would speak english and and that's you know what steamrolls the whole conversation because the genie's like okay well now i can your wish is my command and i'm gonna kill you
1: yeah and then that whole joke about what Bernard is like wait 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 what go back and yeah, he's go like back. I'm gonna kill you right. <laughs> and he's like no before that he's like your wish is my command and he's like yeah what does that mean in this context here
0: yeah he's like well uh, I'm I'm a genie you let me out and he's like because he also says I wish you would stop trying to kill me and he's like god damn it yeah and he's like okay it's like fine
1: yeah but then it gets into the they don't explain the genie like aspect like
0: the rules they don't explain the rules other than very early on he says that he cannot change people's feelings with wishes because i think he tries to wish for judy to love him yeah and um, he's like i can't he's like, no that's, that's like no-go.
1: one thing i can't do yeah. but in the remake or in the yeah the remake it's explained a little bit more. She's like, yeah, the three wish thing is just like a farce. I You have unlimited wishes. Mm-hmm. And here's like the things I can't do. And it included the changing of the feelings right. thing. But yeah. with this, I was like, I mean, in my mind, yeah, you have three wishes. Because that's like the usual trope. But, but,
0: you know, they're, they're changing the rules for this mythical creature. Yeah. So, um, he definitely gets more than three wishes. And the only thing that it is established is that you can't change people's feelings. The rest of it's, you know, but fine. But it's
1: like, he didn't even... After that, he was like, oh, I wish Judy would love me. He, and the genie or Josephus was like, oh, I can't change feelings. It doesn't turn into, like, the remake is pretty much wishing around to make the feelings happen organically right this he's like oh okay she's not gonna love me so i'll just move on with my life it's like he didn't work his way around to get his fiance back
0: yeah he he's he's quickly accepting of that which i think is is smart of the movie
1: yeah i like that too because then it, that would have been like a whole different thing and, yeah. and I like what he did at the end to get back at these people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that there wasn't, like, some attempt at, like, manipulating like a, feelings.
1: It'll be like a rom-com then.
0: And, yeah, try to win win the fiancé back, even no, even though we know that she's cheating. Yeah. In the remake, it's, it's a wife and, and daughter situation where the wife leaves because Bernard's not spending enough time at home. But she's not cheating on him.
1: No, she's just, like, had it, and she wants, like, a trial separation.
0: Yeah. So it's a completely different situation, and so it makes a little more sense for there to be that. You know, like, let's try to prove to them that I can be the father figure that they both want me to be. So, that you know, it's a different situation, but similar theming. Here, it's much more focused on the comedy side of things rather than the emotionality, which Mm -hmm. is weird because I think this one succeeds... In both over the remake Um, there's a lot of clever one-liners early on a lot of them aren't really landing with me in terms of like laugh out loud but I can still appreciate a lot of what they are doing yeah
1: cuz then it turns into like how Mannequin 2 was where Bernard just takes him out of the out on the town
0: yeah you have this fish out of water element obviously so you know it's like 2,000 years have passed I think almost in both situations With mannequin,
1: two it was was like a thousand years. But with two, wouldn't the genie or Josephus be like extremely like freaked out even by like because we're talking all these things were invented. (laughs) Just even seeing a car or electricity. Yeah. Or. I don't know just pretty much like a phone I don't know, like any modern thing a computer wouldn't that freak him out but he's he's more like um enamored by like the food stuff yes which is I mean that's funny to me because he's not freaking out like oh these lights and things he's more like what the hell is this that I'm eating? And then he has to tell, like, ice cream. He has to, like, tell the world, have you had this thing called ice cream yeah, before? Yeah,
0: come on in. This is was amazing. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I understand it, because if you try to focus on every single little thing, then it becomes, like, this massive, massive adventure trying to explain everything that yeah, you think like... might be unique to him. <laughs> so you have to pick and choose. Going
1: through every major invention (laughs) from the beginning of like the wheel to, to whatever
0: 1991 and i think the other part of it is you know we see him attacking early on and so like maybe part of it is like he's not going to fear or be afraid or be freaked out about these things if he knows that they're not like an immediate threat to him and maybe it's just ignorance and he doesn't know it's a threat to him because he doesn't know this world you know what i mean like unless he sees a car actively trying to run him over he's not going to be afraid of a car yeah but, yeah we don't get to have that conversation of what is a car mhm so there's a lot of stuff that's that's left out um and and they go for like i i wouldn't say they go for low hanging fruit but it does kind of like run run the gamut i mean you do have him like washing his hair in the toilet so that's kind of like a lowbrow, you know, like yeah, obvious joke. Yeah, even plumbing
1: a is a new thing. <laughs> right. Uh, he, yeah, so he just sees water in a bowl, and he's like, oh, okay, this is where I wash right. my hair.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I mean, there's there's things like that, but then there's also the, mm-hmm. you know, the talk about, like, the Big Macs and the, the pizza and the KFC and all these other things. Yeah, all fast food to. related stuff. So, yeah, he becomes obsessed with food. And movies too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So instead of wishing for a car, what they do is they get around using a flying carpet, and (laughs) that effect is terrible in both movies. Yeah. Even yeah. In the the remake, I thought it was funny
1: when Josephus and Bernard were flying around on the carpet, and then bernard is the one carrying yeah. the carpet <laughs> bernard has to
0: carry the carpet around everywhere everywhere with an,
1: like they couldn't just secretly stash the carpet yeah. like in a corner in an alleyway or yeah, something Make it invisible or something yeah. for a yeah but, or... but i i don't know i thought that was funny because they're <laughs> yeah, going to the, the, the movies humor. and he's got this carpet draped around him and then you know they get ice cream and he's got like around his shoulders and stuff
0: but yeah, they, they go and they watch T2. So this was filmed late in 1991 yeah. because they also show Thelma and Louise and Harley Davidson and the Marble Man are showing in the theater. Um, I think there's a Robin Hood reference later on where he's watching Robin Hood later on. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot so of this was references. filmed in
0: 91 and then a quick turnaround. Yeah, you know, obviously he, he loves it. The genie loves it and he's talking about how big Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the movie because he assumes that's, like, a life-size projection. Mm, Yeah. And talking about, you know, go kill those alien scum or whatever, even though they're not aliens. But anyway. um, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Um,
1: Then there's just... And then it gets to, like, the major plot, I guess, where... Yeah, well, there's a side plot of the,
0: the woman, if you want to...
1: Definitely oh okay touch on
0: that because you know they're going around town and, and like it's christmas time this is i guess technically a christmas movie uh it released on december 23rd and there's christmas elements but i wouldn't really call it a christmas movie it just takes place in that time period i don't know you could argue either way anyway at santa's village mr beardy as genie calls him um you know there's a woman who's a santa's helper and you know the genie wants to help Bernard get over the fiancé and try to find a new love. And this right. is the target of that.
1: And, well, Bernard is explaining Santa Claus because he's like, what's with the beard guy? He's like, why is yeah, what's everyone... what's Mr. Beardy? Yeah, yeah. Why, why is everyone visiting him and, like, in their sense, making their own wishes? Yes. He's like, w- what's his deal? Yes. Because, I mean... Then he, Bernard has to go into like the history of Christmas about like the birth of Jesus, and then it goes into like Santa Claus. But then when he talks about Jesus, Josephus is like, Whoa, whoa wait, I know that guy. He was like my homie, basically. Yeah. And yeah, he was like a cool guy. Like, so. What's his deal? <laughs> yeah. And then Bernard has to just give like a little thing saying, well, he's the son of God. And then Josephus makes a joke like, oh, so he was like telling the truth. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I thought he was just making that up. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then talking about like turning water, like him turning water into wine and stuff. So the he was like, yeah, okay.
0: To go into business with Jesus. Like you You have this ability to make the, you know, the bread the and fish. the fish. Like let's open up a restaurant. Let's yeah, call it to... something fishy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Something fishy. And
0: it was funny, like in
1: the remake, it was yeah, kind of like weird. It felt more
0: wedged in, in the remake here. It felt a little more organic because yeah. there's a couple different times when they have those conversations. And the first time when they're, when there was Santa he's talking about like how he resents, how commercialized the holidays become. And like, he's talking about how basically how Santa isn't real, but all these kids are led to believe that they are, and it's just setting them all up for disappointment. And so, like, it's it's in this, like, low point in his life, and he's talking about how, like, you know, the holiday is just, like, an extension of that disappointment if you really think about it. So, you know, he's coming at it from this, like, negative, pessimistic point of view.
1: Yeah, and then that's when Joseph is, where they do this one thing where Bernard is like, well, I wish all the kids that are asking Santa for Christmas, I wish they got that wish I guess yeah so there's like that scene was funny because it's very 1991 because a lot of little boys wanted Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. You see kids like driving off in like their new like Hot Wheels car, and you see like people coming out with like this big old like Lego set or something. I think it is, and like one kid becomes a soccer player. Yeah, and then... <laughs> like I wish I was Gary Lineker. Yeah, and like that he becomes the actual Gary Lineker, who is like a well-known soccer and player. one girl gets
1: an actual pony. In... Yeah, one girl gets an
0: actual pony, and then one one person like gets. Leonardo
1: is like a git, like the real Leonardo from the 90s movies. Yes. A gift. Yeah, it,
0: it, it is literally the costume from I think Turtles 2, it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it has the person who, who was Leonardo in the costume, in, as in well.
1: that costume.
0: So, uh, that was really weird to see it. What would have been a hero turtle cameo in this movie because they cannot, they say, cannot say that Ninja Turtles, yeah,
1: gets to the I think. I don't know how it comes about, but I think Josephus is is like, why don't we spruce your place up? And that's when Bernard is like, okay, yeah, I want to put some new art in the wall. And that's when he's like, I wish the Mona Lisa was on this wall. And it replaces...
0: A soccer jersey. I forgot. No, that's in the remake. In, in the original, I don't oh, think pfft. it replaces anything.
1: Oh, it doesn't... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of... The, okay. Yeah, the remake replaces the like, soccer jersey. Yeah, in the remake, it replaces it. So it didn't replace anything. He just had it on his wall. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, the genie's like, all right, the, Mona, the real Mona Lisa is now on your wall. And that's when this... The main plot starts where... In... France, you know, there is, they show the Louvre, and then they show security walking around, and they see that the wall that the Mona Lisa usually is on is empty, and it causes, like, an uproar in France. It's, like, in the papers and the news, and it, like, eventually gets up to England. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they found... Oh, because... It's because the boss because comes the back. Because the boss comes picture. back. I was like, how did... Okay, there's, the boss comes back.
0: There's another little scene where the boss is talking to two older ladies, who I thought were the ladies that helped get the $50 million deal made, but no, they're just employees of him, um, saying, do you think I was too hard on Bernard? And one of them says, yeah, probably could have given a warning, and she gets fired. And then the second one says, nope, you did the right thing, boss. Um, and so he says, well, you need to sneak in to his apartment and steal this list of paintings because he had more paintings on his find list that could have made us more money. I want that list and do everything you can to get it.
1: Right. We don't see
0: her in the apartment. We see the boss we in see the him apartment. him there. With the cops when they return home one day. Um, well, actually, it's just him because yeah. Bernard is off to go see Robin Hood alone. Um, they split the off for a bit. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, the genie splits off to go watch Robin Hood in the theater alone, and Bernard comes back home, sees the cops with the boss and the Mona Lisa. So the boss had snuck into the apartment, found the Mona Lisa, alerted the cops, and got him arrested and also stole the list And this paintings. is, like, disturbing. And also he murders a cop.
1: Yeah, th- it's like, this is a little, I don't want to say, like, Bernard disturbing. Does. Yeah, it was like, Bernard d- kills the cop. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah because he but, um, he thinks um, it's
0: intruders in his house.
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like out of m- malicious intent. He was he just like bonks a guy on the head and the port it was the policeman and he like dies from dying from, it. <laughs> from being like hit on the head. But the way that they sh- that was
0: kind of funny though,
1: the way they do this
0: death. Yeah, but I did no, he was want... dead, actually, until, I, I thought the cops were just making that up that the cop had died. Well, because
1: when they all go into the elevator, you see the, quote, dead guy, but he's kind of, like, smiling to it. Like, he's not mm. very good playing dead, because he's, like, in a stretcher, kind of, like, smiling. And I thought that was funny, like, he knew he was in on
0: some joke or something. And, like, plus you have, like, Keppel, like. Making up shit and it's like, well, I was arrested for murder once. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why he was
1: smiling, and then they just couldn't get like <laughs> yeah. a good take yeah. on a person playing dead.
0: It's like, well, what happened? Couple, Well, I was, you know, in the town square and with the noose around my neck. And it all worked out all right in the end. Yeah, and, like that is the end of the story. So, I, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and so Bernard is like, you know, wanted for murder and like theft of mm-hmm. the Mona Lisa. But it turns into this thing where well that's because the genie was not around he was at the movies yeah so he
0: kept on like trying to wish out loud but since yeah. the genie's not within earshot there's he nothing you can do about it
1: wish away from being arrested
0: so so yeah he's just in there being interrogated and arrested and whatever and he's trying to make his one phone call to the house and Bernard's back at or I'm sorry the genie's back at the house but he doesn't know what a telephone is right and so he's just like. He's picking it up and dropping it, off, dropping it to, to make the, the, noise the sound stop. go away. And he's just going around his day. And Which is,
1: like, in all of me, it made me think of.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's <laughs> funny. And then eventually, like, he Bernard gets the idea to say that he had an accomplice and that he's going to be at the apartment or whatever. And so that's when the cops go and arrest him, the genie, so that he's now in the police station as well. And then they can he can make the wish and be like, you know... I wish you had been there, and they go back in time and mm-hmm. are able to fix everything. And he whispers in the ear, you know, like before they reveal that the Mona Lisa's on the wall. Like it's like you know he wh- whispers a wish into the genie's ear, and it turns into a picture of Kylie Minogue instead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he steals, you know, he takes his list of paintings back from the boss and sends them all off on their way and everything's good again.
1: The way they do in the remake is so weird.
0: It is weird because it involves like a fireplace that doesn't exist and so the whole house catches on fire.
1: Because, I mean...
0: And so the firemen discover the painting. Yeah, it's
1: set in New York this time. So Mm. it's like the French dealing with the police... Yeah, Yeah, NYPD... And, like, Louis Guzman was, like, the head, whatever, detective. And just, like, the acting with that, where he was like, excuse me, the French are calling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? I'm like, this is getting a little out of hand.
0: I mean, the French called the, 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 the cops. <laughs> the French called. The French called the British cops, too. But so. they're like,
1: I don't know, the, it's closer in proximity, France and England,
0: yeah, but I mean, if if they had been in contact with the Louvre and be like, "Hey, we got the guy who caught we we're, you know, you're gonna have the painting back soon. You know, there's a communication line open, so it's not out 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 it's, of the realm I just of possibility. It was, like, really, they but could it's have, just weird.
1: They could have done some other famous painting that was in the Met or something. I yeah, don't know. they could have done something, something
0: other, local, Lisa, for sure.
1: Instead of, Mo- but whatever, yeah, that, that's it's the fine.
0: remake that's basically like the, the end of the plot like the whole romantic subplot doesn't even really go too far i mean like you see like bernard like waving to the the, the per, you know the, the, the woman girl, again at yeah, the end the, and like that's implied Santa that helper. they're probably gonna be
1: she like blows a kiss
0: or something doesn't she yeah but you don't see them out on a date ever specifically no,
1: but he just waves um, and she blows a kiss and that's kind of like implied that something's gonna happen there
0: and then Bernard also wishes for good things to happen to a few to different other people as well as bad things happen to some. So, like, Keppel gets, like, a three million pound lottery win. And, like, Kevin is arrested with, like, pot possession.
1: Along with uh, Judy. Along with
0: Judy. And then uh, he forces Pink's, Pinkworths to uh, donate a hundred million pounds to charity, uh, you know, without his actual knowledge. And he's interviewed on TV about the donation, that he didn't know what happened.
1: I mean, that was... F- funny yeah. too because the the tv announcer was like oh well with this kind of generosity this is you could be up for knighthood mm-hmm. and then bernard's like i wish he wouldn't be and then he's like yeah i wish he did he's not like, become oh i a, wish
0: he didn't get, i wish he wasn't up for knighthood yeah yeah and then <laughs> and immediately the
1: the, immediately the reporter is like oh we just learned that you're not gonna be a knight. <laughs> yeah. so i mean that type of humor is hilarious yeah there's that comedic timing laugh.
0: overall in this movie definitely so it's
1: just to make uh just so pinkworth can lose all his
0: money yeah just so he loses all his money <laughs> but give it to to a good cause yeah but. to people in need um and then like the, the way at the, the whole v- oh, the sorry.
1: end it's like well just at the end bernard wishes Jo- well, we didn't even talk about this. Like Josephus has a girlfriend back home, <laughs> and kittens, yeah, and two
0: kittens. Because like when he when he first realizes it's been two thousand years, like most of my friends are dead, and Bernard's like, yeah, probably all of them. Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, and it's like, yeah. oh, my girlfriend, oh, the kittens, and like, so it's like a recurring theme. And there's like a scene where Bernard goes into Josephus's room. Or a uh, tent, or whatever it is he has set up in in the apartment, and like sees, you know, like quote unquote pictures of an Egyptian. Yeah,
1: it's like a hieroglyphic thing.
0: And then, like, of know, like a. Of just a E-G- random Egyptian picture. woman. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, he's clearly homesick and, you know, like, he's enjoying things, and he even has a conversation like, man, you know, like, I love it here, but I, I do miss my home a lot. And so, one of the, you know, like, the last wish that. Bernard decides to to grant is, you know, wish that he goes back home. Yeah. You know, he he gives them the chance. He's like, Would you rather stay here or would you want to go back home? And he's like, you know, I love it here, I love all the conveniences, but I'd rather go back home. Um, but he he brings some uh, futuristic things.
1: I guess like a, the toaster and whatever. Yeah, back like he brings into time. He brings some
0: stuff back with him, and he brings the ideas of like the Big Mac and like modern music and things like that, so he can make some extra money. So he's he's gonna be fine. It's good mm-hmm. idea, but it doesn't change history. No, at least we don't get to see it change history if it does. Um,
1: and then it just goes back to the opening scene where he was gonna be cornered by that sorcerer
0: guy yeah and he offers him a trade in the form of the modern convenience of the toaster
1: yeah and then that's the end But i think
0: i mean honestly like the the way that he gets sent back home is kind of like heartbreaking in a way i don't know because like they're both sitting there talking at the corner and like you know like he's alan cummings bernard is like getting all emotional like oh man i you know like this is really hard for me i wish he would just leave and then he's like gone and he's like oh you know, like that little you know, I didn't mean to say I wish in that cir- circumstance I wanted to spend more time with you, but now I can't type of a thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's more jokes in here than what we we didn't send. we didn't give you all the jokes. Um, but it, it was it was a much better movie than I expected it to be. Even like the mug of Bernard's character, you know, like that you got to see Lenny Henry play around. I don't know how much of it was improved by him. But it seemed like, you know, he got to kind of throw in his two cents into this whole situation, and it definitely helped. The rapport between those two was, was pretty fun to watch. All right, so let's go on to our awards and casting and crew. Um, no box office, because it didn't reach the U.S., and it was on British TV. Only one award, I'm sorry, two awards. One, Cable Ace nomination for Best International Movie or Miniseries after it hit the U.S., um, and then also at the British Comedy Awards, it won the Best TV Comedy Newcomer Award for Alan Cummings. So this is near the very beginning of his career. Uh, cast and crew, we got Paul Weiland. Weiland? 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 Uh BAFTA nominated for the short film Keep Off the Grass, as well as the sitcom Black Adder Back and Forth. Razzie nominated for Leonard Part 6, which is what he did immediately after following this. Uh, or I'm sorry, actually that was before. I don't remember, actually. Whatever. Razzie nominated for Leonard Part 6. He also directed City Slickers 2 and Maid of Honor. Um, in 1991, he also did uh, Storyteller, the Jim Henson series. He did episodes of that, as well as Mr. Bean um, stuff, because he was also the director for Mr. Bean. Richard Curtis, the writer, Oscar, and Golden Globe nominated for Four Weddings and a Funeral. Golden Globe nominated for Love Actually. Emmy Award winner for The Girl in the Café. BAFTA winner for Black Adder Goes Forth, nominated for Mr. Bean in Four Weddings and a Funeral, and The Vicar of Dibley, Bridget Jones' Diary, Love Actually. He also has two special BAFTA wins, like, you know, like, Lifetime Achievement-type awards, whatever. Uh, he also has a Stinkers nomination for Bridget Jones' Edge of Reason. Uh, he also, aside from all of that stuff, he did not The Nine O'Clock News, he did Notting Hill, he did War Horse, he did Yesterday, and... We mentioned the, the remake. Genie was also written by him as well. So a very prolific career in the romantic comedy space, especially. Lenny Henry, we'll see him again in 1991's True Identity. Um, we already said about like his stand-up specials. He's also on TV stuff like The Fosters. He had his own show, The Lenny Henry Show. Uh, he was on Big and Small and Chef. He co-founded Comic Relief with Richard Curtis as well. Um Alan Cumming as Bernard Bottle, BAFTA nominated for Prague, and a winner of a special award as well. Um, Emmy nominated for Arthur, The Good Wife, which also has Golden Globe nominations, Um, Spirit nominated for Anniversary Party, which was what he directed, Uh, also a winner for producing Sweetland, MTV Movie nominated for Best Dance Sequence for Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Stinkers, nominated for Flintstones in Viva Las Vegas. I'm sorry, Viva Rock Vegas. Let me get that title right. Razzie, nominated for Son of the Mask. uh, But he's also been in things like Black Beauty, Goldeneye, which is where I first learned of him, uh, Spy Kids, uh, X2, where he played Nightcrawler, and uh, Josie and the Pussycats, which is an underrated movie. Uh, Charles Pinkworth, played by Rowan Atkinson, BAFTA award winner for Not the Nine O'Clock News. Blackadder goes forth and nominated for Mr. Bean, never won a BAFTA for Mr. Bean. Um, he was in The Lion King, Johnny English, the Scooby-Doo movie from 2002, Rat Race, uh, TV shows like Thin Blue Line, and then also uh, The Witches. Uh, Dennis Lill as Frank Keppel, the doorman. Uh, he's been on several 1991 shows in, in uh, Britain, like Only Fools and Horses, Rumpole of the Bailey, uh, Outside Edge, and The Royal. Kevin Allen, as Kevin, was in The Thin Blue Line, Train Spotting. Uh, he was the director of several movies, most notably Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. And then Judy was played by Andrea Bernard, oddly enough. <laughs> She's in 1991's Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Uh, she was in the British Empire, Crying Game, and Holly Oaks for many, many episodes. There's also a couple of uh, cameos that kind of flew over our heads a little bit but probably would have been notable to people watching in the BBC. Uh, There's a joke about Melvin Bragg. I wish this chair was Melvin Bragg, and it becomes Melvin Bragg, who is also the writer of Jesus Christ Superstar, and uh, also uh, on the South Bank show. Uh, At one point, he says he wished he looked like Bob Geldof, and so he turns into Bob Geldof of the Boomtown Rats, and do they know it's Christmas fame? We already mentioned the Gary Lineker cameo, where one of the kids turns into the soccer player, and then there's also a cameo of Trevor McDonald as the TV presenter, um, who uh, was mocked a lot by Lenny Henry on one of his shows, Tis Was. So, there you go. Uh, and then you have Howard Goodall, who did the music. I don't know if he wrote those songs that we mentioned in the beginning, but he did a lot of the work for like Vicar of Dibley, Blackadder, Mr. Bean, etc. Cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what we got for Gaston Crew and awards. Um, we can move on to true crime and pop culture.
1: Okay, so this movie was released on December 23rd, 1991, which was a Monday, and I decided to look up what was on TV in the UK during this time, and I found an entire website <laughs> just called UK Christmas TV, and for some reason it has the entire listing of what was on the BBC for the week that for that Christmas week in December of 91 I'm assuming it's for every year but yeah I specifically saw it for 91 but I mean I'm not going to talk about what was on because they have everything from like 6am until midnight
0: yeah that's a lot
1: but um, Bernard and the Genie was on at 8pm that day
0: the prime time slot
1: yeah and just a few other things that were on, like, you know, in the early morning, they had some interesting, uh, cartoons. They had the chipmunks hmm. and there was, uh, a lot of, uh, I think it started to turn into more like Christmassy stuff. Cause there was like the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. It was like a two or three there part was mini like, series. Okay. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Cause I remember watching that and I thought it was like a TV movie. Basically. Okay. Alright. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what was on in the afternoon. And then there was something that I thought was biblical. Because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> before...
0: Because Lionel Litten wardrobe has those things. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. But...
1: Um, <laughs> the because there it. was all these like Christmas things on. And then I saw something on called Wogan meets Madonna. And I thought it was like you thought, it was, you thought that was The biblical Madonna, yeah. like Madonna and Child. But when I Googled it, I was like, it was Madonna, the singer. So I was like, oh, okay, let's see if it was on YouTube. And we watched the whole thing. It was like a 37-minute interview. And then it's from Terry Wogan, who is... Just, like, I guess a very well-known Irish-British radio and TV broadcaster for the BBC for a really long time. Very, like he was, very long time. Yeah, he was doing it since the 60s, and then he, like, moved on to BBC radio, and uh, he died in 2016, but a lot... I guess he's just... I'm not gonna get into his life, but he's just, like, really well-known, and everyone thinks that he's, like, a really great guy, and just a gem on the radio,
0: I mean, and I didn't on have any TV? problems with this interview.
1: No, I thought it was, fun, like, a cool and relaxed yeah. interview. But it was basically just him. This is Madonna promoting um Truth or Dare, but they called it In Bed with Madonna in the UK and, and Europe because they were in Cannes.
0: Yeah, they are at the Cannes Film Festival.
1: And, uh, yeah, it was just him asking questions about the movie and her life, the lifestyle, there's a lot of snippets of her on stage from like 1985 until, you know, 1990, they, which I thought was interesting, just like the different ways that she would perform like a virgin since the movie, or not the movie, since the song was released until, you know, 91, basically, like the way she performs like a virgin. At the Blonde Ambition tour was Mm -hmm. racier than it was when she first sang the song,
0: and also different musically. She added, you know, like more of a yeah different instrumentation to that. Right. But um, yeah, it's good to see the progression. But there's also times when they just straight up had like a three minute segment of just watching a performance, which was weird in an interview setting where you like, okay, well, when is it gonna come? yeah go back to yeah
1: even the way that the interview started it was very like (laughs) windows windows.
0: I don't even know (laughs) the flying windows are like all weird and like like warped at times warping
1: even Madonna's face to look funny and I was like is this I don't know I this is like our both our first time watching the Wogan meets whoever so I don't know how that's how all of his interviews start where it's like floating windows of the person's face in different shapes, but I thought that was like funny and weird for some. Yeah. But yeah, it's very unflattering. It an interesting interview. I mean, I didn't really learn much. It was.
0: I think the only thing I learned in that whole thing is like she basically admits that parts of Truth or Dare were essentially not scripted, but like planned out. Mm. but she says like we had the idea of what we were going to talk about in the scene and we would go in and we basically improvise it yeah so like you know it wasn't just here's what was caught on camera and then put it together it was you know we have a specific purpose for this organically yes yes it was not fully organic
1: this is like the beginning of like reality tv
0: yeah i mean yeah i mean it's kind of like a mix and she even says like i i don't really care so much about like what is truth and what is not when it comes to this movie Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I think we kind of said that in, in, in our...
1: In our review. In our episodes. Like, so yeah, it seems like some of this
0: dare. stuff was scripted, but it was probably based on reality. Do we, but yeah. But just wasn't captured just on camera like, at the time, so it was, like, reenacted for the cameras. Exactly. And like that definitely came When across. they
1: actually played Truth or Dare. They're like, okay, everyone gather around, we're going to play Truth or Dare.
0: Yeah, even some of, like, the phone conversations, I think we said, too. It's like, yeah. you know, it seems like this is just her talking to nobody but recreating a conversation she had previously.
1: Yeah. You know, it,
0: like, so it, she this like reiterated, sort of that, like this, yes, this that this is, is probably true. what was happening.
1: Yeah. And then she talks a little bit about, um, Dick Tracy, <laughs> which yeah. I thought was interesting how like no one was getting paid the same.
0: It's like a, or you know, like basically just getting scale because it was like a Warren Beatty passion project and they all wanted to be part of it.
1: Yeah, it. She was basically saying how like Al Pacino kind of did it for free, like as a, for a, as being a friend of Warren Beatty. Yeah. But Warren Beatty was like, no, I want everyone to be paid equally, you mm. know, in, in a sense. And then they talk a little bit like with her relationship with him, and then him in the movie in Truth or Dare, the documentary.
0: Right but which we also covered as well yeah like the whole concept of doing everything on camera yeah he's like
1: the there's no way like you love the camera you you always want to be on camera because it was they show the part where she's getting her throat checked and he's like why is this necessary why do you need the cameras around to show this yeah Stuff yeah. we already and, talked yeah, and about Logan, before. Yeah, Wolgan
0: gets into that too, and I think again, Madonna does a pretty good job of explaining herself. I think she's you know, she always has to be on the defensive when she's answering these questions because she is like this stronger independent presence and that intimidates a lot of people. So she like is always on the defensive, assuming that the questions are coming from a place of yeah uh animosity of
1: being judged yes like, immediately
0: <laughs> so i mean that that's very clear in in her uh, responses but it's understandable
1: and then i just also wanted to look up what was popular in the uk what songs were popular around this time and i mean i'm doing the top five songs in the uk as as of December 23rd 1991 and three of these songs we already talked about but two of them haven't talked about it at all but the number one song was the George Michael Elton John don't let the sun don't go down on me I mean that was huge Hmm. and then there was Diana Ross and and the song is called when you tell me that you love me okay so then The number three song, this is the other song that, well, I've heard it before. It's Queen's uh, These Are the Days of Our Lives. I don't know if you know that song. I was playing it, but that's like one of the last. So I had to look this up because I was like, wait a second. I thought Freddie Mercury died earlier than 91. And I had to look, Freddie Mercury died November 24th, 1991. So it was like a month later. And this was on their Queen's 14th album. They they released a, a 15th album like in 1996 without Freddie Mercury, but then that was it. Uh-huh. So this is basically their last album as a group together. Uh-huh. And it was on the album called innuendo it was released in february of 91 but then this was like obviously like the video you can see like freddy looking very gaunt like Mm -hmm. it was obviously like you can tell that he was sick but he didn't really this is kind of like how yeah the death of michael kind of like how michael landon uh hid his sickness for so long this is kind of like freddie mercury sort of did the same
0: yeah for very different reasons but yeah yeah
1: yeah but this song became number three and i think it became um popular again because it was this single was released earlier in the year and i think it just became re-popular because of the death of freddie number four was the KL this isn't I think this is like a British thing we've talked about this we talked about this song a long time ago it's the KLF with Tammy Wynette where it's justified and ancient so it's like these combinations you have the KLF Uh which is like you know they basically do like electronic music with Tammy Wynette Who's like a country star? They like get together and they do a song together.
0: And it's them actually collaborating. It's not like KLF taking a Tammy no, Wynette. No, because I remember
1: the video it. where Tammy Wynette like comes out and sings. Okay. And I was like, who is this woman? Because, <laughs> I mean, as a 10-year-old, you're like, who's this old lady? <laughs> well, when I saw it, I was like, this is like a weird spectacle. <laughs> like, it, I wasn't until, like, older where I found out who Tammy Wynette was. But, yeah, that was number four. <laughs> and then number five is Michael Jackson's Black or White, which, I mean, that was, like, right at the the very beginning we of, haven't talked about that song that a long single. time
0: ago but we talked about it a lot in the early days of the podcast
1: yeah because that i mean it was everywhere. the single came out like exactly around this time
0: so so we'll move on to rankings and ratings where on your one to five star scale are you going to put bernard in the genie
1: this is not controversial but it's <laughs> surprising <laughs> i'm gonna give this a three <laughs> right. so you're
0: specifically saying, you're specifically now saying when it's not controversial. (laughs) We've gotten to that point. (laughs) Yeah. We have to warn me that it's not a controversial phrase. I don't know. (laughs) But it is surprising somehow?
1: Okay. I I don't know.
0: (laughs) I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't
1: know. know. (laughs) Because... I think I just say controverse every single time. I know, just it's be become funny. like a thing, yeah. yeah <laughs> but but, it's, not, but it's not at all.
0: <laughs> uh, it's become like a catchphrase. If we had merch, it would be controversial merch. On my zero to four star scale, I'm also going to say it's a three. Again, I thought it was better. If If the jokes were a bit punchier or heavier at the beginning, like instead of just cute and clever, I probably would have given it more. But otherwise, like, this is an extremely surprising movie that I, I really did quite enjoy quite a bit. Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch it again?
1: Uh, not right away.
0: Yeah, definitely need some time after watching this and Genie basically back to back. Yeah, back-to-back. I think
1: me after watching the remake it made me appreciate this movie more. Definitely. That's probably why I gave it a three. That's why I'm surprised about it. Um, If we did not, if there was no remake, then I would just be like, yeah, this is just like any other TV movie, like just, you know, run of the mill, whatever. But it made me appreciate the jokes more. But I also do not want to watch this. This is not a Christmas movie. It's not like a yearly Christmas movie that I would do. It would just be... If it was popped, if it like popped up anywhere, like on a screen, I'd be like, oh yeah, this.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I would catch it in the middle if it happened to pop up on TV and and keep watching, definitely. I mean, I, I really loved Lenny Henry in this movie. I thought he was incredibly funny and charismatic. I loved Alan Cummings' performance in this too um you know the supporting characters there weren't a whole lot of scenes with them but you know they're they're serviceable with where they were um yeah i mean i would watch it again too just not for quite some time it, it definitely needs some we need some breathing room not two thousand years but we need some breathing room on this one just because of the back-to-back nature of what we saw however if you out there do want to watch bernard and the genie as of this recording in november 2023 it's available on tubi freebie hoopla vhs or dvd as always check your local listings as for us you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms please remember to rate your review subscribe and tell your friends you can email us at 1991 movierewind at gmail.com follow us on twitter instagram letterbox youtube just search 1991 movie rewind or go to 1991 movie for the full list of movies along with show notes and more Next week, we're finishing up our family-friendly December month uh, with the royal family. We're watching King Ralph. That's on Stars, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We will see you then. Thanks.